Hi everyone, and welcome to Traditional Medicine with Shaman Flora. I'm your host, Jimena Garcia. This show is all about understanding yourself through plant medicine, as well as providing education and knowledge around this topic. I hope you guys love listening to this episode as much I enjoy recording it. Hello, uh, lovely listeners and everybody that is with us today. Welcome one more time to another episode of Traditional Medicine with Shaman Flora. So today we have another guest and the guests keep rolling and I want to make sure that that's the case. I love doing guests. I think that is so fun and also learning from them and their experiences. And today we have a very special guest. They're all very special in their own unique way. And this is an individual that I met, it's going to be two years. Two years ago, we met um, in Los Angeles. Uh, she came to one of the uh, CKPI trainings that I, um, I'm learning how to teach. And uh, I had the the gift to be one of, uh, be, be her teacher and be a partner in her journey with Campbell. And in that process, I offer her a job as a facilitator for Shaman Flora. And she, while enough, said yes. And then ever since then, she's been called by the jungle. Because this is the thing, guys. When you want to work with the jungle, it's a calling. You feel a calling. It's not like you wake up one day and it's like, oh, I want to go to the jungle. It's, it's more like the jungle is like, oh, this individual right here, it like picks you from the bunch and is like, I want to work with you. And then after you being chosen, it's not like you have much of a choice. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and what I mean by that is we always have choices, but what I mean by that is that it will follow you everywhere you go until you listen. So it's one of those things that is is, is kind of like a constant reminder. I remember uh, after she did her training, he went to this Mexico trip and we were kind of chatting and then she went to this restaurant and it, what did it say? It said like, come to the jungle. It's it get into the jungle. <laughs> like freaking Neo like get into the jungle and she sends me a picture and he's like hey look at this and I was like yeah you can't run away so it, it was it was a calling uh that she had it was I saw it and then ever since then her and I have been working together it's been it's been a, a roller coaster run experience I can't believe it's been two years it feels like a week sometimes it feels like I just met her yesterday and sometimes it feels like I know her my whole life uh, but her name is Gemma uh, Ortiz. So thank you, Gemma, for being here. Ooh, applause, a round <laughs> of applause. Uh, uh, thank you for coming in such a short notice. Yesterday I was talking to her, I was like, hey, do you want to do this? She's like, okay, sure, I can. So it was so nice to be able to hop in and, and have like, you know, a little bit of time to play and, and talk about um, her and most then everything is her experience in this world and her experience as a facilitator. Uh, I think that, you know, I facilitate too, and we are in a world where everybody wants to facilitate, um, especially ayahuasca. There is like this buzz and a lot of people feel like it's like this magical experience, <laughs> but it's actually really is hard work is very, very, very challenging work to 
to be excellent facilitator is not easy. There is so much sacrifice that goes with so many sleepless nights, so much lack of sleep, and um, so much spiritual sometimes attacks that happened uh, in, in those spaces. So with all that being said, Hema, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so excited to have you in Shaman Flora podcast the first time. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for all that introduction and just, um, you know, even considering me to be a part of this journey. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity and all the opportunities that have <laughs> uh, been brought to us since those two years ago that we met in that training that completely shifted my life. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm grateful to be here. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I think this topic is very important and it's definitely been on my mind for a while of like educating people, um, you know, participants that come to the medicine, but then also you know, those who feel the call to walk down this path, because it's definitely, like you said, not a walk in the park. There's a lot that comes with it. And so the more informed that we are, um, the better that we can, you know, uh, walk that because it's it's definitely something else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it definitely is, you know, Um, growing up in the corporate world and and trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life, someone told me, don't ever pick something that you're madly in love with because eventually you will hate it. And I never understood that. I never understood that until I started working in corporate. And I remember that my job in the past was to be quality assurance. For those of you that don't know what quality assurance is, is basically my job is to identify bugs in the system. And I wanted, and I, and I used to be a gamer uh, my whole life. And when I moved to San Francisco, I thought that it would be a good idea to be a quality engineer for games. Because in my mind, I was like, oh my God, I want to play games all day. It's going to be so much fun, right? And then someone that actually did that, thinking the way I was thinking, it was like, don't do it. You will hate games your whole life. And then I thought about it, it was like, oh my God, yeah. So when you work as a facilitator, your why has to be more than a job. Because if you want to do this to make money and just have a job, because you think it's going to be fun to be an employee to the medicines, uh, that is not enough. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, that is not 100%. enough. So, Hema, with that being said, why don't you share with us a little bit of your story? How did you came to where you are today? Yeah, so I started working with medicine back in 2017, uh, just through my own healing journey of a heartbreak and then just having a what we call a spiritual awakening. Um, I had my spiritual awakening without any medicine and it was very brutal, I would say. And through my spiritual awakening, I feel like I started to learn more about things like meditation, having downloads, plant medicine. And so I started looking into it. And when I learned about all these beautiful medicines, I was like, I don't know when or how, but I know I'm going to do them all. Like, I just felt it in my heart of like this. It just resonated with me of me partaking in these medicines, experiencing them with the purpose of healing all of the things that were coming up for me during that breakup. And it wasn't just a breakup. There were other things that were happening with my career, right? And just like an awakening of so many things that were just coming 
to my awareness field. And so once the opportunity came to sit with the medicine, the first medicine that I sat with um, was Gambo um, back in 2017. And that just shifted my entire life in so many positive ways. Um, and I started to continue to work with the medicine. That was 2017. By 2018, I knew that I was meant to do ayahuasca. I don't know how or you know, I feel like I, I I have a vivid memory of like how I learned about like mushrooms and combo and all these medicines, but I can't really recall how ayahuasca came into my awareness. All I know is, or all I remember is that I just knew I was meant to experience it, but it was that one medicine that when I received the message to sit with it, it was very loud and clear to me that I had to go to the jungle and do it with a person there. I don't know why. I just knew Peru was the place for me to experience this with someone out there. And I didn't really understand why until I like started diving deeper into what ayahuasca is, where does it come from, all that stuff. And three years later, I sat with it. You know, it took three years because during that time, I'm in LA area, so there's a lot of people working with this medicine out here. And I will hear about circles and stuff. And I was like, mm, it's interesting. But I still deep down inside know I'm meant to go to the jungle. And then it got to a point where it was like two years passed. And I still haven't sat with the medicine. And I started to get almost desperate, you know, because I was like, everyone's experiencing it. And it sounds so great. And I want to. And so then I was like, screw this. I don't know when I'm going to go to Peru. So I'm going to try to make it to a circle out here. But it will never align. All of the times that I had friends that would like invite me to a circle for some reason, some way, somehow, it just would never aligned. Until so I went to the jungle, I went to Pucalpa, and I sat with the medicine. And it was very intense, <laughs> but very beautiful at the same time. And it was a very, I feel like, impactful experience for so many reasons. Again, just like on my own healing, on my own consciousness. But then also, it's just so many things came up with, like, about integration and then, like, facilitators, the facilitator that I went with. Um, now, knowing all the things that I know and working at Shaman Flora, now I realize, like, that person was probably not the best equipped person to be a facilitator in terms of, like, yeah, she's done all this medicine, but she didn't really have the skills um, to hold space for people before, during, and after um, the ceremony, because as you know, so many things come up. So yeah, long story short, I came back home and I had a hard time integrating. And then one thing led to another, I kept doing more medicine until I received the call to become a gamma practitioner through a dream. Um, the medicine asked me to serve it. I went through so much resistance to the point that I developed some kind of like sickness, itchiness in my body it was really weird until so I remember talking to you during my interview about the program and then once I send my deposit that went away like that yeah that's and it was just like my resistance to like serving this medicine you know and so I met you there and then I also answered the call to go to the jungle and you know you know start my journey as a facilitator um which I think it's very important that you touched on it's a calling, right? But what does that mean? What does the calling mean? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And I think it's something very important for facilitators to sit with that uh, calling because I know a lot of people that just have this burning desire 
to go do this type of work. And there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like it's it's very natural to want to do that because you have such a breakthrough, right? And like once you experience all this healing and like you just see the world through a different lens, you're like everybody. You want everybody around you, especially your close friends and family, to experience this joy, this type of breakthrough, right? And so I think it's natural for most of us to want to share that with those people. However, though, it does take a very type of specific individual, <laughs> you know, to be able to do this type of work. And so I, I really love the way that you touched that at the beginning in terms of like the jungle kind of picks you, <laughs> you know? You could have the calling and want to go out there and try to make it work, but the jungle knows, you know? The jungle knows. It has its own spirit, its own character, its own personality, and it knows what it wants. <laughs> I feel like it, it it can almost feel intimidating and overwhelming to a lot of us, but I feel like we must respect her wishes. <laughs> you know, it's that type of thing where it's like she knows she's a very empowered spirit and she knows what she wants and she's not willing to settle. So yeah, I feel like the different, I mean, not the different, but like the calling comes in different ways um, for us. And it's just kind of dissecting that as to like, what does that look like? And my why, right? Like, am, am I wanting to make money? Do I want to make an impact? Do I want to? And then how do I want to show up in that space? Because it's it comes with a lot of responsibility, um, with a lot of integrity. And not that people don't have that. But again, it just like you, I think you even touched on this, right? Like you even being exposed to psychic attacks, spiritual attacks, you know, and you're just like the participants are in a very vulnerable space. And I feel like this is very specific to ayahuasca, right? Um, where people are releasing very heavy stuff. And so as a facilitator, you have to be very sensitive to those kinds of things that are going to be in that space. Um, but also do the work so that you are coming into that space with this layer of protection um, that comes from the jungle as well, right? It's like a layer of, I want to say like protection or blessing that the jungle gives you as well to be able to step in the, into this role because again it can be a little intimidating for some people so you you mentioned and i'm taking notes as you're talking because there are so many points here but you said you were talking about like the skills you, you were talking about the facilitator that you had and you said that the facilitator didn't have the set of skills that are required to to be an excellent facilitator right because we everybody You know, a lot of people go to these places, either Costa Rica, Mexico, Ecuador, I mean, China, whatever they go, right? They have an experience. They experience the medicine. They buy that medicine. They bring it back to their home, whatever that is, the States, Europe, I don't know. And they, you know, monkey sees, monkey does, right? So they're like, oh, I saw this person doing this. And I say that because I do that, right? I see this person doing this. Let me bring this and let me do it again right? And let me do it the way they do it. So if anyone would like to mirror the behavior and the skills of a facilitator, what will be based on your experience? And I will chime in after, after you do. You think that are the skills that every facilitator should have in order to deliver a powerful experience to a client? I believe that as a facilitator, I think it's important to also 
distinguish the difference between a facilitator and someone who actually runs the ceremony. Because I feel like also a lot of people confuse that. And I see that a lot. Again, I'm in the LA area, so a lot of people confuse that. And even they some think of you're my a shaman. Friends, yes. And I've been told that people are like, oh, you're a shaman just because one, I serve them gamble or because I post like, hey, I'm going to the jungle and I'm going to facilitate. And I've posted in my stories what exactly I will be facilitating and what that looks like. But yet still people are like, oh, so you serve ayahuasca now. So I think like first and foremost, I want to differentiate, right? A facilitator and then a shaman. So a shaman is a word that I personally don't even resonate with because it's a Russian word just to describe what a maestro or curandera or curandero is. So most of the curanderos that I've uh, sat with or that I've worked with, even at Shaman Flora, they don't identify as a shaman. They call themselves curandero or curandera, and people in their communities refer to them as such, like, oh, el maestro this, la maestra that, right? The, the shaman word's not really there. So they're the ones who are guiding the energy of the entire ceremony, right? So they, they take ayahuasca with the participants, they give the ayahuasca cup to the participants, and they work on them through the Icaros, whatever other limpias, and they're also very well in tune to the spirit world, the plant world, and the animal world. Because you as a maestro or maestra, you know, they, like the shamans at Shaman Flora, you know, the last time I was there, I was talking to them. They've been practicing and doing dietas for over 20 years, you know? So it's like, if you feel like you're someone who wants to go down that route, then I would say that to be able to be on that route, you will have to definitely go to the jungle, complete a number of amount of dietas that you have to work with, just like they did, and do an apprenticeship, but also mentorship, right? So have these elders walk you through because, yes, the medicine is also going to give you a lot of gifts, right, and help you navigate the underworld and the spirit world when you're in that ayahuasca ceremony. So I feel like the route looks different for them, right? So just like go to the jungle, do an apprenticeship, find mentorship with these um, maestros and maestros that are actually facilitating the, the ceremonies. Now, facilitators like myself. So for me, I'm not minimizing the work of a facilitator. Obviously, I absolutely love it. And I feel like you as an individual need to know where you fit in. And I feel like my lane is as a facilitator and not a shaman or like the path of a shaman. That's not me, at least not for now. So as a facilitator, I feel like you obviously still need to do the work. <laughs> you just can't bypass that. You still Always. have to do it. Always. Right. So whether, you know, shaman or facilitator, you still have to do the work. But what does the work look like? I think it's the, you know, what we have to dissect. So the work looks like doing dietas, um, going to the jungle and sitting with the medicine yourself, because there's so many layers that come, and this is specifically to ayahuasca as well, but there's so many layers, right, that comes with that. Or even combo, right? And it's like, what kind of combo facilitator will I be if I've only done combo like three times? And based on what I saw, then I just buy my medicine on Etsy or whatever. I've heard crazy stories, people buying medicine on Etsy. And then I just start serving people based on what I saw in those three ceremonies that I participated in, right? So it's just like one thing I've learned as a facilitator is that you won't 
you would only be able to hold space and guide participant as deep as you have gone yourself. So in a training like Gambo, right, like we go so deep with the medicine and we do the medicine every single day, at least twice a day. And you're healing so much of yourself that you go to those depths of your soul and like your organs (laughs) with Gambo, right? That it's just like digging so deep. Um, to purge those things out of you. And so I think that that's one way of doing the work, right? But then I think it's also very important for us as facilitators who deal with the Western world um, to be sensitive and be informed about trauma, right? Because a lot of us, like you said, we just buy the medicine and we want to bring it back to the States, But we need to understand that we can't really be doing jungle doses, whether it's gambo, ayahuasca, or things like that, in the Western world. Why? Because we're exposed to so much more other stuff that they aren't in the jungle, right? And I mean at so many levels. Our food, you know, everything that is processed, the toxins. And then we have a lot of mental health issues over here that, you know, these medicines can definitely assist with that. However, though, if you're not trauma-informed and you're not aware of these things, then you don't really know how to approach it. And then I feel like every individual is also different. So as a facilitator, we have to do our due diligence of knowing these things, screening our uh, participants, right? If someone reaches out about combo or mushrooms or whatever medicine that it's being facilitated, regardless of the medicine, I feel like you have to do a an intake form, right, to learn about the participant and then do a screening call to get a better sense of the person and see if it's in alignment, right? Because I feel like most people will benefit from the medicine, um, but you just have to know, right, how to approach it, how to treat it, their age, their everything, right, their trauma, um, physical trauma, emotional health, all of that you need to be aware of to be able to show up and tailor the ceremony specifically to the needs of the person because everyone is different. Um, So yeah, I feel like it's just being able to hold the space for these people before, during, and after with care, with integrity, and with love. Just because going back to my experience in the jungle, I felt like the facilitator did have experience with the medicine she had been with the jungle, right? She had already sat with that maestro. She had done a few dietas herself. Um, but in that space, she wasn't sensitive to the trauma and triggers that were coming up for people in that space. And as you know, sometimes the jungle, you don't even have to do medicine. The jungle is so beautiful and so powerful that things are going to come up for you regardless, right? Your shadow's going to start. You know, it's going to be magnified. Um, and so a lot of things come up for you now on top of that, you're adding the medicine and you're going deeper with that shadow, right? And it's being magnified again. And so a lot of things are going to come for people. And I just didn't feel like I was supported. Um, there was no intention setting at all whatsoever. When I went to that, it was just like, we're here. Um, yeah, obviously the purpose is healing and all of that stuff, but we didn't have, a time and space to talk about that intention, to be specific. What exactly? I knew my intention, right? Because 
I wanted to sign up for that retreat for a reason. And again, to me, it was it was connected to that breakup. But I didn't have the opportunity to voice that. I didn't have the opportunity to connect the dots. I didn't have the opportunity to just like... And then I was so naive too, again, I feel like I was at the very beginning of my plant medicine journey, so I didn't really know. I just took her word for it. I was like, okay, this is what it's what it's like. You know, she's the expert here. I put all my trust in her. And there wasn't any time to talk about that, to make an intention, but then also afterwards to dissect it and to integrate. Um, and then there was a few girls in that group that had a really, really intense ceremony, right, which could happen. And to me, that was our second night. There was five ayahuasca ceremonies offered, and I per- I did four out of the five. And so the second ceremony, it was so intense. Jimena, oh my goodness. It was the most intense ceremony of my life. We were, we were all going through it. Like, it was just... I don't have any words for it. I feel like I'm still processing that. That was back in 2018. I don't know. I it feel was- I feel like your second ayahuasca ceremony. I I did an episode about it, and and like your second ayahuasca ceremony, based on what I have researched and I've heard from other people, usually that ceremony is unforgettable. It's definitely unforgettable. And so again, things are coming up for me and it's really intense, right? Like the first night I felt the ceremony and it was really intense, you know, but the second night, my goodness, I didn't even know what to hold on to. Like, I don't, it was just so intense, right? And then there was two other females in the space that were really, really going through it. And they were loud and screaming and like, And me, even with my eyes closed, I could see all type of like spirits and things. And it got really like scary for me at one point. And I didn't know how to navigate that space. And I feel like that obviously comes with a spirit experience, right? Which is part of doing the work, like learning how to navigate um, the spaces that ayahuasca takes you to. So obviously I was a rookie. I didn't know it was just my second ceremony. But what came afterwards, right? Like then they offered a third night back to back and I opted out. I was like, absolutely, I cannot take it. It's only my second time. So I'm going to take a break and I'm not going to sit this night, but I will sit the next time. And the facilitator was just making comments that made me uncomfortable and made me feel not validated. Just things like, oh, I've never seen a group in such fear. Um, yeah, just things like, I don't understand why wouldn't you say like their experience is not yours. And I see what she's like, what she meant. And I believe that there's some truth to that, but I genuinely, it would, to me, it felt traumatizing. I was like, I'm never doing ayahuasca ever again in my life, just because it was just so much. And instead of having a facilitator who could be like, Hey, you know, it happens, Things like this happens. There's a space like this. And just being more neutral, at least, or more understanding or just compassionate towards the situation. She was just very like, don't be scared. Why are you afraid? Don't like very just aggressive about it. And just like when people weren't willing to take more medicine, she will also kind of like look down on them and just be like, yeah, like you should be taking advantage of this. You should be drinking, I don't know how many cups and like 
Just very putting people down for the amount of medicine that they were intaking, how many ceremonies they did. And it's just like, man, to you, it might be different because, I mean, she's she's been in the game longer than I have. But to me, I was like, this is only my second ceremony ever. Like, I don't even know how to process what just happened. Like, I have no words. Like, I genuinely <laughs> have no words. I don't even know what just, like, you know? So I just felt like... Being in a space like that, at the very minimum, you could be a little bit understanding of people and kind of meet them where they're at. I know now that that as a facilitator, you obviously want to encourage them to do. Yes, obviously, I would want to do that too now on the other side, right? Maximize your experience. If there are five ceremonies being offered, you know, do your best to do all of them. But then again, I feel like you shouldn't be forced to or be put down or just make certain remarks that make you feel some type of way or make you feel unvalidated for your experience, you know? So I just feel like in terms, there was just a lot more, but I feel like those were, that was my take on that of just like, but how do I, you know, and she was never really made herself available to like talk about, yeah, she wanted to know like, oh, so how was your ceremony, you know? What what did you see or, or what messages did you receive? But it ended at that. It wasn't like how to integrate or like nothing, you know, it was just very like that. So I just felt like that experience did leave a bad taste, at least in my experience, in my mouth, where I was just like, mm. I managed to get over my fear and I did complete two more ceremonies. <laughs> like I said, I did four out of the five. But I felt like most of that was just on my own and, like, talking myself through, like, just do it, you know? Like, don't let that experience filter into your next experience. So I just felt like having a facilitator who's sensitive to trauma, being trauma-informed, integration, and just knowing that people are at different phases of their journey, you know? It's important for, for facilitators to be sensitive to all that kind of information. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I appreciate that. Definitely trauma informed is really important because sometimes, you know, we get people that they're they are coming specifically to heal their traumas and then they end up leaving more traumatized than they came. And you don't want to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and you know, you brought something really important with ceremonies and it's something that just came through. And another thing that I think is really important for a few things that I also think is really important for facilitators to have and understand and know and the skills is being able to listen and to read the room and read the people that they work with, to be able to read body language, to be able to connect at an energetic level to the person that they're working with, to see where they are, to be able to be neutral in moments of friction right? I mean, as a facilitator, sometimes we're going to have, I've been very lucky that most of my clients are pretty easy to work with, but I've also had people that are not very easy to work with. And, and then, then there's when like big challenges um, are, are thrown to the facilitator when you have someone that it doesn't want to do the work, that it wants to bypass the work. And you got to kind of like call them out and put it in their face and be like, Hey, you're bypassing, bro, or you're bypassing, girl, you know? So to be able to have those uncomfortable conversations without getting triggered and without, you know, and without projecting our ego back onto them and to be able to 
to stay in that space of neutrality. And even if the person is like mad rage in front of you, you're like, and I love you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tell me more. Exactly. You know, yeah. coming, but, but truly, truly caring, right? Like truly, truly caring. So I think those, those are really important things for people to, that want to do this work to realize because it's, it's a messy title. There's a lot of, there is, there is a lot of, um, reward on the other side, seeing people transform and seeing people heal, seeing people really do their work. And then when they leave the place, you can see the change in their eyes and their face and their body. I mean, there is literally a physical transformation that also happens with the spiritual and the emotional. It's like you go to, you go to do this retreat and you're like, waking up at 6 a.m. in the morning and then going to sleep at midnight almost every night, if not even later. Sometimes you had to like stay up most of the night because you have a person that is still on the medicine and is terrified of being alone and wants to fall asleep right. holding your hand, right? Or sometimes you have people that completely lose their mind and they're just like trying to run away and you kind of have to like tie them up or like dump cold water on them, but you got to be able to think on your feet. And the last thing that I will say is being grounded, like man, being grounded. That is like, Super grounded. Mm-hmm. that is, you know, I, I had the opportunity to interview. I think I told you, I interviewed this other people that wanted to facilitate a shaman flora Right. And I met this one individual and, oh my God, there was no roots to this person, like mm-hmm. no roots whatsoever, completely like out of his body. Um, and mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, Jimena, how does that look like? It looks like someone not looking you in the eyes. It looks like someone being okay with whatever. It looks like no someone like not having like a center of gravity when they're communicating. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks like someone that is not paying attention to what is saying. It looks in the eyes. There is like this glazed look in the eyes. This like staring into distance. I mean, there are so many signs. But this this individual living in the jungle, being in Iquitos for over a decade and completely, completely ungrounded because when we work with medicines a lot, and we are in the jungle and we isolate ourselves, the chances of becoming ungrounded are so much higher than when you are not in this Western world. Because this Western world forces us to ground because we got to pay bills, right? right? We, 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 we got to do things, right? But when you're in the jungle and you don't got to pay bills and all you do is work with medicines and you live based on the sun and there is no schedule and it's just all like, you know, we go with nature, you kind of lose that sense of ground. So I think that that's also really, 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 really important. I think that's very, a powerful one to, to highlight for sure, to be grounded, um, especially in that space. when I feel like you work with medicines that are more psychedelic, right? Because I think Campbell, you, sh- you should still be grounded for Campbell, but since it's not a psychoactive medicine, like you said, it kind of helps people be more grounded. But when you are working with something like bufo, mushrooms, it could really take ayahuasca, right? It could, re- at least in my experience, 
out-of-body experience, I'm out there in the astros somewhere in another dimension. And so I feel like that's definitely a very great skill for a facilitator to have, to be grounded, to be able to, one, be attuned to themselves, attuned to the people, right? Like you said, being attuned to, being able to read the room and say like, okay, but also without you projecting your own stuff onto them. So I think that's definitely a good one. Another thing that I would like to add is as a facilitator, and I think this kind of goes along the lines of not projecting onto other people, which as humans, I feel like we tend to do that with friends, family, as a facilitator, it's just our natural nature to want to give advice or to just like be like, well, I had a similar experience. So this is what, you know, is possibly happening to you. But I think as a facilitator, there has to be a very fine line for that and, you know, set healthy boundaries with them that, you know, this is a relationship, you know, like, yes, we're both human, but in this space, I am the facilitator. And so in that space, it's just to build their sense of resilience and for them to establish greater self-regulation, right? So like they can take those tools and then during ceremony or after and then just be like, okay, you know, this is what it's like to be resilient or to have more agency and to allow them in their own way and in their at their own pace to make those connections. Because how am I going to tell that person that this is exactly what's happening to their body or to their emotions and things like that? So I just feel like it's being being grounded to be able to hold that space for them to have those realizations. Yes, of course, we ask questions and we guide them through it. But again, without saying like, this is exactly what's happening. Again, allowing them to have that self-regulation, that resiliency, that agency to say, this is what it is. And I feel like I learned that in my gamble training, right? Like Omar is really good at that. Like, listening and I think you mentioned this at the beginning of this too the vast majority of the time is you listening just listening 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 because people are telling you a lot about them we we tell on ourselves all the time right like what our needs are what we're lacking uh, our body language right even as something as simple like you said are you able to hold eye contact all of those things are telling you clues about the person um so that you as a facilitator you pick up and then you kind of just like drop little hints or little like crumbs <laughs> for them to just kind of put it all together right um so i think that's also a big part of being you know someone who who can hold the great facilitation for, for others and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's what Omar always says, uh, get you out of you. Right. right. Focus, focus out, focus out. Um, I think I was telling you this, but like the last time that I was in the jungle, um, that I was running the retreat and I was also, um, running the, the, uh, the, the media that was there Right. It was one of those things that there were moments that I felt so lonely because um, I was going through my own experience, right? Like, as you know, when we're in the jungle, the jungle also puts you through the ringer, even if you're not drinking the medicine. And I was going through my own experience and as the facilitator and as the person that is running the the video and all of these things, there was no room for me to talk to one of my clients and be like, Hey, I'm having a hard time. Like I haven't been sleeping. Like 
I'm so hungry and like I'm exhausted of translating and and all of these video things. I just can't take it. Right. Like I can't I can't I don't have the luxury to think about me that way in that space. And I couldn't go to the crew that came over to do the videos and do the same thing because they were there to do a job. So was I. Right. So it's one of those things that is not ignoring myself, but it's actually it's a stepping into my higher self and let go of the needs of my ego to be of service. And I think that that takes me to the last point that I want to touch on. And is like, what does it mean to be a facilitator? Right. Like, what is the calling? Right. What is your why? Uh, of doing this work, like for me, I it took me months, months to decide to choose this path. Um, I actually didn't even know about ayahuasca when I chose this path. I had no idea what ayahuasca was, but I remember that I was doing, I was going through my PhD, and in my PhD, I had to come up with my vision for the world. Like, what is it that I wanted to create for the world? And I came out with this vision of uh, being being the spiritual leader that will raise the consciousness of the collective through transformation and teachings and earth medicines. That was what I wanted to do. Uh, and I remember that my mentor had me poke into my vision so many times. And I remember that... I, he asked me to take my vision to, to my friends and ask my friends why they will believe that I will never accomplish it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great though. Yeah. Not why I will accomplish. Why right. wouldn't I accomplish it? Right. Right. Blind spot. We all have them. Right. And like, and it was one of those things that like their answers were so honest. And one of their answers was, Jimena, you're so passionate about everything that you do, but you usually never finish what you begin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, yep, that's definitely, that's definitely going to be a problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I'm going to get started. I'm going to be very excited. And then once I not fulfilled by it anymore, right, once I don't get that dopamine, that dopamine, like, you know, like those chemicals release then I'm going to be done and then I'm going to move to the next thing. So I was like, shit, it has to be something that is so grounded, that is so powerful that it doesn't matter what happened in my life that I will do it. And here's another one that it was really interesting that it was also a blocker. I had a belief that spiritual people are poor. Oh yeah. That's a big one. Right. And um, like you have to sacrifice, right? Like, right. That you can't be wealthy, that you can't have money, that you, that you have to be this person that has to be completely the attached of all your wealth and all your money. Right. Cause the Bible says that, you know, a poor person, like a camel will make it through like the thread of a needle, but a rich person will never would. Right. You know that, you know, that verse, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, Right. So it's it's one of those things that I also had to like change that. Right. And kind of those things. So it's it's so important to come out with with that. Why? And then when I finally got it, I don't think that I don't I don't think I will diverge from my path. I mean, there is moments where I feel like, shit, I don't want to do this anymore. But I think that's the ego. But in terms of like 
what I committed to. I'm pretty grounded. Um, so I wonder for you, like, when was that moment? Like, how did you came to your, your why? I think it was a combination of things, right? Just experiences again, that I've went through of myself, myself with the medicine and then just like seeing other folks. And I think my why is centered around, I would like to provide a space where people feel safe and supported because I felt like I lacked that space uh, when I came to the medicine. Um, and I've heard so many horror stories from other people who've done medicine here or even, you know, sometimes in the jungle too, where like you didn't have that. And so I just, for me, I feel like that moment was in my combo training because I remember having a conversation with Omar about the medicine and, you know, how we hold it with integrity and like all the new things that I was learning because, you know, I came to the medicine open to learn, obviously, but I also didn't know that what I was going to learn was so different from what I already like knew, right? I've been doing combo and again, not serving combo, but partaking, you know, with the medicine since 2017. So I thought I knew, like you said, monkey, monkey see, monkey do. I was like, shouldn't be that hard. I've seen it so many times, you know, like... <laughs> I was like, I've been combo so many times. Why was your surprise? I wonder your Right? So I was like, I've already done it so many times. Like, yeah, you just drink your water, you fucking burn, and like, you just, whatever, right? Like, it shouldn't be that hard. Uh -uh. I mean, I came with respect, but I also was like trying to hop myself up with like, it's not going to be that hard. You know, you've already seen it so many times. And little did I know that like (laughs) everything that I knew, I had to throw it out the window and just be like, it's all crap. This is like how to serve with integrity and respect and honoring the medicine, the tribe, yourself, your participants. And so I one of the things that I told Omar during our conversation was that I almost felt disrespected with all of the times that I did medicine before that training, just because the amount of I remember you were the first one to serve me in that training and just like how held I felt by you. It was incredible. Right. Because all the other ceremonies were very different. They were in a group. They weren't personalized. Like your intention wasn't that deep. Like you just kind of go and like it's a bunch of people. Right. Like it's like 20 of you and you're just doing the medicine. And and yeah, there's people watching you, but it wasn't like intimate. Right. And I feel like the the intimacy that I felt with you of like talking about my intention very deeply, getting to the root of it. Right. And like being very grounded in that intention and like you teaching me how to receive the medicine, how to breathe through it, how to do all of these things that I was like, man, if I would have been doing combo this way since I started doing combo in 2017, I would have been healed a bunch of shit. Like, (laughs) but no here. So I just, I remember telling him, you know, like I almost feel disrespected. Right. Of like the way that but you don't know what you don't know. Right. Like I didn't know any better and I don't hold any grudge or anger or anything towards those facilitators. I really don't. But I was just like, damn, I like feel disrespected that like, you know, you put your trust in these people and they're just out here doing whatever. I don't know. I don't know the reasons behind it, but I just feel like now that I know better, I need to do better. And so I feel like to me, that was the moment of like, okay. 
if you're going to do this type of work, this is how you have to show up. Um, just like with a lot of integrity and things. And so like that, that's when I came up with my why, right? Like I felt just so safe in that container and so supported to also make my own decisions. Right. And yeah, you will push me to like, Oh, really do you know, like you pushed me in so many ways, but it, the way that you did it, it wasn't in terms of like being aggressive or belittling me or putting me down because like, I didn't want to do, you know, I wanted to do two dots instead of four or something crazy like that. You know, like some people have it, it's ego too. Like, Oh, I've done eight dots. Like my greatest ceremony with you was four dots girl. And that girl, let me tell you, I purged almost black you know I remember like, I remember you remember that right yeah, so it was that. just like it was just so profound for me it was, so I feel like that. it was a pretty deep ceremony it was a pretty deep ceremony so I just feel like that's that's how I came about my why and I feel like my why was solidified and very just like you know if you're gonna do this type of work you know any type of work with medicine or anything like that I just wanted to be of safe space and supported for that person because I at that point I had experienced both right I'd experienced not feeling safe and supported in a container of medicine and then here I was in this new space where everything was with intention and with integrity and I felt very safe um, and very supported through the whole process right yeah so I think that's when I when it all clicked for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you had to go through all that experience to, to get to that moment, right? But I right. think before we leave, what I want to leave everybody with, and it's something that you mentioned, and I just want to create awareness to everybody out there that wants to ever, ever, ever either hold a space to somebody for like Reiki or rapé or sound healing right. or whatever medicine you're going to be serving either is ethereal or earth medicine right to be very 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 mindful that once you need the proper trainer you need to know what you're doing by people that learn by people that were taught by ancestors not just none of this bullshit shit that is like coming from like the corner of the store or no like 12 week um shamanic of apprenticeship of like serving ayahuasca come on guys like let's be real you shouldn't be serving a medicine this powerful if you haven't worked with this medicine for at least five years meaning not serving it meaning doing your master plans like really doing your studies you don't have the experience and the knowledge to do this you will hurt people you will not and hurt yourself. them. You will hurt them. I mean, Hema just shared this with us. Like she had an experience that, you know, it was it, it, like she was protected, but it's one of those things that we already are in a world that is so wounded. Why create more wounds from a spiritual place that actually are yeah. much more deeper than the physical ones, right? I agree. And I think it's a very vulnerable space to be in as well. You know, as someone who's partaking with the medicine is very vulnerable. And like I said, you're disrespecting yourself. You're disrespecting the medicine. You're disrespecting the person, you know, receiving the medicine to not do that type of work and to not take the due diligence to learn. Again, whether you just want to become a facilitator, whether I think that the path looks different depending on what you want to do. But regardless, you still have to do the work. You know, like you said, if you're going to if you feel the calling 
the burning desire to serve ayahuasca, then you go to the jungle, you do an extensive amount of dietas, you work with it at least five years, diving deeper than yourself to be able to hand that cup to somebody else. If you want to be a facilitator, it's going to look a little different, right? You might not have to do that much, you know, dietas or whatever, or as intense because you're not going to be serving it. Your role is looking different in that space, but you still have to do the work. Same thing with combo. You know, you got to do the work. And I think you nailed it there where you said learning from people who've actually done the work themselves and who have gone to the jungle and learned from them, which is why I chose the program with Omar, because one of the things that I wanted was that connection to the jungle, one connection to the medicine, a connection and a way for me to go to the tribes and meet the tribes and be, you know, and like receive their blessing and connect to them and their way of life and all of that. And that's what made me choose that program versus other programs. So I think it's very important for you to learn from people that know what they're doing as well and have a direct connection to the yeah. medicine as well. And to elders who, you know, have taught them specifically. And another thing you touched on that I definitely want to highlight again is that, right, like these maestros or maestras did not take a six, a six or 12 week course to become a shaman. You know, like shamanism, I feel like it's a way of life since birth for them, right? They are born into this. They've been doing this for a really long time. They learned from their great grandmother or their grandfather or their mother. And so like there's just a lot of wisdom and work that they carry that I feel like needs to be respected. Um, and we need to do the same. You know, it's like they've worked really. They earned it. It's, it's I feel like you earned this. Right. You can't just roll up and say, I'm this, I'm that. You have to earn that. And even them that are born into a family of shamans, they still earn that title of maestro and maestro. So I feel like we're nobody to bypass that as well. Yeah. The rite of passage, right? The rite, yep, of, passage rite of passage. That's it. That's, 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 that's exactly what it is. It's like the there reason why not everybody does this work and, and the reason why like not everybody does the work that meant the way that is meant to be done is because no one wants to go through that. Right. Is like, and a lot of the work that is done in these places like Iquitos and, and Ecuador and Mexico and Costa Rica has been tailored to the Western world because a lot of people of the Western world cannot handle the way the medicines were served back then. And there is a reason for that. And it's because we don't put ourselves through the process to actually be ready in mind, body, and spirit to do this work. We just want a quick fix. Comfort. Comfort too. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the things that I learned in my time in the jungle too. It just made me aware of all my comforts, right? And it's that, right? Like being okay with being uncomfortable, whether it's a month, a week, three days, like the jungle is going to do that for you. And you have to be very okay with being uncomfortable, right? Because I've seen that, you know, you go to the jungle and there's like all these resort looking like experiences. And I'm like, sure, it might be nice to do all that, but... There's nothing like going back to your tambo and, you know, <laughs> having spiders or, or frogs in your tambo, you know, like you just, you, you just can't like that's that experience, which is, you know, it's just part of it. It's part of the experience and you got to be okay with it. And just like you're in their home, you know, you're in the jungle and you just got to take the whole package. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, baby. Well, Hema, it was such a pleasure and so much fun. I mean, I can't believe that we've been here for almost an hour. I know. Right? You know what they say, time flies when you're having fun. Um, It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining today. This was really, really nice. I'm looking forward to having another one of of these. Maybe you and I should like hash out like a few episodes where you and I work together and do this work. Right. Uh, Because you and I have gone through our own experiences and have been there and know the space. Um, So, yeah. And then for all of you that are listening, thank you so much for being with us today. Again, if you have any questions, just reach out to us social media. And also you can email us as well as you can leave comments. Thank you so much, Hema. Many, many blessings. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you around. And that's all. Thank you so much, so much gratitude and many blessings to you for listening to today's podcast. Please subscribe to the show and tune into our next episode every Wednesday. You can find us on Instagram or join us, our Facebook group at Rainforest Healing Center. And lastly, please rate and review the show on our Apple podcast. This is the best way you can support us so we can get the show to more people just like you that want to learn about plant medicine. 